had the opportunity of just getting to know him. And he and I became just dear friends over the course of the last 10 or 12 years. He's really one of my very best friends. We were friends before we were business partners. We did a lot of things together, probably tried seven or eight different online ventures. Some of them worked, some of them didn't work. And just anytime he was in the area, I'd, we'd connect, I'd see him at different places. Came down to Southern California, we created a big anniversary day for them. And my wife and I met he and his wife for, for dinner that night. Just It's just been a great friendship. Hmm. And so that's how it all got started. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and just... Just guys, if you're listening right now, just stop. Just stop what you're doing. Just pause. If you're driving, I, I guess if you're driving, you can you could probably keep driving. But like the next hour of your day is mine and my next guest because I don't know if I've ever been more excited to interview someone than this next interview. And I gotta tell you, I'm getting ready to go on this world trip. My my whole apartment office is in disarray, but I'm like the day was great. Everything, nothing can shake it because I've been so excited for this interview. And this is not to diss on anybody else that we've had on here, but I don't know. I'm just super excited. So you guys know that I only bring on cool people, people that I'd want to talk to. And I have questions for my next guest here. I don't even care if you guys like to answer your guys' questions almost. I mean, I have a whole list of them, but I just want to talk to this guy. So without any further introduction, uh, please welcome on the man who I aspire to dress like and pull off someday, Mr. Dave Woodward. <laughs> Welcome to Think Different Theory, my man. Wow, what an introduction. I think <laughs> I can live up to that. Jeez. Oh, man. Dave, I'm so excited for this. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's my honor. I'm excited. This will be fun. It will be fun. How have you been, Dave? I have... I literally have been so excited recently. Things are going like crazy right now. And it's, uh, it's just a fun time in life. I'm, I'm loving life. I couldn't be more excited. Good. I'm glad. Okay. I, I got to start off this by, by prefacing the saying, like, we're going to have a conversation. And typically like this podcast, I try to bring out uh, sides of people that you wouldn't normally hear. And uh, a lot of people we've had Steve Larson on and Julie Stowey and Julie's was a little bit of a different episode, but uh, Natalie Hodson, like people like that. And they've all said that, Hey, it was really cool to be able to do that. So I'm going to try to bring out some questions and sides of you that maybe most people don't ask. But more importantly, we're going to have a conversation here. And I got to start off by asking, Dave, what do you do? Because <laughs> I, I feel like ClickFunnels is over there, right? And I feel like most people listening probably either know who you are or have heard of you at least. But there's ClickFunnels over there. And we've got Russell, who's like this marketing genius that's like probably from another planet. You know what I mean? Like he's just super smart. And then Todd, of course, who kind of 
you know, codes everything. And I feel like you just kind of do everything else, right? <laughs> or at least that's how it appears. So like, what is your actual job title and what do you do? Oh my gosh. My kids, my wife asked me that every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, actually, so it's a ton of fun. I honestly, we're really not, haven't been big on titles. You know, gosh, we're approaching 150 million a year right now. And people ask me the same thing. I'm like, uh, I guess if I had an official title, it'd be chief revenue officer, rainmaker, whatever that type of thing would be. I, I literally do whatever it takes to make sure we, we grow. Fortunately, we have a team that is the most amazing team in the world and they all feel the exact same way. Um, I think my face is probably out there a little bit more than some of the others who probably get deserve a lot more credit than I get. But uh, honestly, Josh, for me, it's whatever it takes to, to make things happen. It's kind of just how I feel about it. Okay, so who's your direct boss? Russell. Russell, Russell and Todd. Russell and Todd. All right. So, so they're so just any clarification. Russell and Todd are co-CEOs, co two co-founders and both co-CEOs. Okay. Todd basically runs the dev, Russell runs the marketing. So I report directly to, to Russell and Todd. And Todd. And then so like anybody, because I know Jake, I mean, I'm I'm friends with Jake and I've got to talk to him a, a little bit. Outside of like Russell's personal little like team of people over there, like does everything go through you in order to go to Russell? Pretty much, <laughs> I I can be a pretty big gatekeeper. Yes. Okay. Because I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. Like I I've watched you guys grow. Which congratulations on a massive amount of success with ClickFunnels. I am you're such you. a huge fan. And uh, I, I've you know I always like to look past the the what everybody m normally sees. You know what I mean? We all see the presentations. We all see the you know the good of it. But for those of us that are diehard funnel hackers that have been around for a while, like we kind of get to see the day to day stuff and like as an affiliate and, and someone that is very involved, like I see you a whole lot more than maybe the average ClickFunnels person does. And I see how much you do it. And seriously, like as a user and as an affiliate, thank you for everything that you do. But also just as someone who has a lot of respect for ClickFunnels and everything that you guys do, like I mean, personally, friend to friend and person to person, like thank you for all that you do because seriously, you do an incredible job. Um, I'm just, I was trying to figure out like how it all works, right? Because like, Normally that, you know, we know Russell's the face and we know like Todd's there, but like outside of that, everything seems to just work awesome and it all seems to go to <laughs> you. And so I'm like, is that the case? Like, are you the magic behind it all? No, uh, I, I wish. Uh, I wish there was just a magic wand I waved and everything just happened. Uh, so I guess if, if one of these days we'll actually create a real structured org chart and everyone will know exactly what's going on. But uh, so basically we have uh, Russell and Todd, two co-founders, two co-CEOs, uh, Ryan Montgomery. So there's, there's two co-founders and there's four, uh, four partners. So we have Russell and Todd, obviously, is two co-founders, two co-CEOs. Myself as a partner, Ryan Montgomery, who used to be our CTO, has now moved into a COO role. And so he does a lot of our operations. So he's the guy actually behind the scenes making sure all of our operations and stuff works. Um, the other two partners are Brent and John. We actually have another partner, uh, Dan Usher, uh, oh, okay. basically runs all of our video. So Russell, or I mean... John runs all the traffic and marketing. Brent handles all of the coaching program, and Ryan handles the operations. and And I just do you. You do. You do. Well, <laughs> do me. Okay. All right, Dave. Way to, way to be very very humble about it. Okay. Um. I want to know though. Moving maybe a little bit more into the backstory here, and and talking a little bit about it. How did you end up where you're at? Because we've got a lot of questions. I I, I did some posts on Facebook and Instagram. We have several questions that have come in from you know, audience members and listeners to ask you. And kind of one of the 
overwhelming or, or overriding questions that's going to answer a lot of these things and kind of set the tones for this is how does Dave get into the role that he got into? Like, did you know Russell your whole life? How did you end up where you were at at ClickFunnels? Man, that's a great question. Um, so the answer, yes, I've known Russell a very, very long time. I met Russell back in 2008, 2009. At the time, I had a marketing agency. Uh, I, I come from the direct response marketing world. Okay. So I had my own marketing agency. We were doing a lot of marketing for, at that time, healthcare companies. Uh, prior to that, I came from the financial services. So I had a mortgage company and financial brokerages and all that other kind of stuff. Um, but at the time, I was trying to figure out this whole online thing. And I was really just... I'd heard about it, heard people making money on it. I had a couple of clients who wanted to start driving traffic online. And it was, again, 2008 wasn't the, the best period of time as far as that kind of stuff was concerned. <laughs> so with that being said, I, I thought, you know, I'm just going to go to, I'd been to my very first online marketing event I ever went to was uh, Onyx, or Yonick Silver's Underground. Uh, it was Underground number two. And it was a great event, but I wanted to find out a little more after that. And so I went to, uh, I was at the time kind of looking at some of this affiliate marketing things. And there was a affiliate summit basically was coming to, I lived in Southern California at times. So I was down there. And while I was down there, basically it was put on by Stu McLaren and Russell Brunson. And I'd known Russell, I'd heard about him and followed him. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go and just check this out. So I went there and I remember when they were up on stage, uh, Russell was just barely, I, maybe there was a, if there had been 30, maybe 50 people there, that would have been a big day. But uh, at the time, he basically said, hey, if any guys would like to take us out to lunch or dinner and kind of pick our brains, you know, go back and sign up. So I literally just ran to the back and signed up for every breakfast, lunch, and dinner Russell had <laughs> that weekend. And so I literally just had the opportunity of just getting to know him. And he and I became just dear friends over the course of the last 10 or 12 years. He's really one of my very, very best friends. Uh, I've, we've been, we were friends before we were business partners. Um, we did a lot of things together. Uh, probably tried seven or eight different online ventures. Some of them worked, some of them didn't work. And uh, just anytime he was in the area, I'd, we'd connect, I'd see him at different places. And for us, I mean, I remember he came, he and Colette came out for their, I guess, probably their 10th anniversary at the time. So came down to Southern California, we created a big anniversary gift or day for them and, and met he and my wife and I met he and his wife for, uh, for dinner that night. Just It's just been a great, great friendship. Hmm. And so that's, that's how it all got started. I came into ClickFunnels, uh, knew when it launched and came in really in the first couple of months after that. Uh, we actually were at, uh, I, the, so they, the event Russell always talks about where they knew that it actually was going to make it. Uh, so for those people who aren't familiar with ClickFunnels, we tried ClickFunnels three different times and didn't work or two different times. Finally worked on the third. And at the, it was just struggling to get going. And we reached out to a ton of different people and we actually were at Mike Phil Sames' event. And Russell was like, I'm not going to pitch anything. He said, you got to sell something. We got to make some money. And at that time, Russell was like, I don't even know what to sell. And Mike was like, just pitch ClickFunnels. We're like, it's not working that great. Uh, we haven't found the right way of pitching it. We don't know how to pitch it. And that's the time where Russell put together what really became the webinar that launched ClickFunnels was at that event. And so that was in San Diego. And from there, and then he and I met at, uh, saw each other at TNC. And TNC is really where we became partners in ClickFunnels. Hmm. Interesting. And, and that would have been, what, four year, five years ago now? Yeah. Coming just, up on five yeah, years? Five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we you, just celebrated our fifth birthday here, September 23rd. So it's... Yeah, big announcements and big yeah. stuff. Oh, man, I am so excited. Great I, podcast I, on that. Thank you for doing the summary. We appreciate I, that. Absolutely. I, um, man, there's so many angles that I want to go with that. I, I have to say, though, um, somebody asked, 
do you want to, you know, just go behind Russell's back, break all trust and reveal what the big announcements are going to be? Oh, I would love to. No, you'd love to. All right, perfect. Well, then I'll just buckle up and let you go. Um, but no, I, I, as an affiliate and as someone that I love promoting ClickFunnels, um, I'm very, very excited um, with the, the future directions of everything. And I'm getting ready to go on this trip. Um, we're, we're making some adjustments in a lot of our marketing, like from my side of things with the business and how we're selling. We are focusing a lot on affiliate stuff. And I'm very excited for the Traffic Secrets launch. And I'm very excited for a lot of the future things that are happening with ClickFunnels because I do see it. Not only do I use it for my own business, but I do see the ClickFunnels community and the whole ClickFunnels products as a big part of what we're going to push and do in the future. So I'm very, very excited about that. Congratulations on uh, the big announcements and, and the direction that you guys are headed um, with all of that. Um, so you would have known Russell, what, five year, five or six years before you got partnered into ClickFunnels? Correct. And then you become partners roughly around the time when it starts, like near the beginning of it. What were you doing at that time that you left to come into ClickFunnels full-time? It's interesting. I had a conversation with uh, Brian Hymas, our affiliate manager, about this just the other day. Um, at the time, actually, I had gone through uh, 2011 and 12, been really rough financial things for me. And so I was just kind of coming out of, uh, out of that. And at the time I was doing a lot of real estate coaching. I was traveling around the world, helping people invest in real estate, um, had done some, some coaching with, uh, uh, Armando Montalongo and Nick Vertucci and others. And, uh, the opportunity came up and I remember sitting there talking with my wife and we'd had some success, but not a whole bunch of success in some of the things that Russell and I had done together in the, earlier. And she was like, ah, you know, I just don't know if this ClickFunnels is going to make it, Dave. I just, I don't know if I, does that mean you're going to stop doing what you're doing? I'm like, you know what? I, I'm a person who just believes in going all in. And yeah. I'm like, sweetheart, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. She goes, well, go all in real slow then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do things real slow, but uh, we did. Uh, so it was, uh, I was making very, very good money at the time. And so we basically took a huge cut to that and started from huh. scratch. And built back so so what have you always been actually let me back up have you had jobs before like long term working for somebody else <laughs> um no okay so the shift from entrepreneur being your own boss right to i mean i know you have a lot of freedom in your job now but like there's a lot of uncertainty going into a new gig and like you appear to have a lot of, of loyalty to this, right? I mean, clearly it's your whole life. You're a partner in it or whatnot. Like, where does that loyalty come from? And like, is that just something that you've always been? Like, if you're going to do something, you're going to be loyal to it to the end. And like, how, like, how does that affect the other part? Because like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're all in on this and you're going from being your own boss to working for somebody else how, how did that change your life? And like what decisions and processes went into that to become so loyal to ClickFunnels? Wonderful question there, Josh. I can tell you that um, I never looked at it as a job or working for someone, I guess, first of all. Hmm. Um, I came in as a partner. I've always, I've always felt like it was part of my company, I guess would be the first thing. Hmm. But to answer your real question as far as the loyalty aspect, that really comes from believing with my whole heart and soul about our mission mm. to literally free entrepreneurs. Mm. That's been the most important thing for me in anything I've done, whether I had a financial service company, whether I had a mortgage company, whether what I had my own agency, I've always, I've 
understood that as a business, too often a lot of entrepreneurs, when they get started, all they're really doing is they're just replacing the job. They're not yeah. a real business owner. Yeah. And so they start off and they've, they feel like they've, I find them my own, my, my own, my, I got it. I'm my, I'm my boss. <laughs> but the reality is it's like a franchise. When a person buys a franchise, yeah, you own the franchise, but you basically just bought a job. Right. That's all you did. Yeah. And uh, again, I love, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Cashflow Quadrant is really a great book for me. I remember years ago reading it as far as the whole employee, self-employed versus, you know, the business owner and investor. And trying to get to that right side as far as the business owner investor was one of the things I struggled with so long because I'd always been the sole proprietor and I've owned my own companies and I've done that. But I was always, <laughs> I basically just, I had a boss. It was my customers and that's right. just really what it came down to. So for me, I looked at this as, as really the opportunity of owning a business and more importantly of, I just, there's nothing that excites me more than seeing a person like for some of our affiliates, when they make that first dollar online, I remember yeah. when I made that first dollar mm, online, I do see. I literally yeah. won the lottery. There was nothing, it, it proved everything to me. It was yep. the fact this actually works. And I don't care, it, it may have cost me a thousand dollars and adds everything else to make that first dollar. That was the proof where I knew there was a path. And for me, I'm just so passionate about helping others get on that path, uh, being able to really enjoy, enjoy the opportunities that exist out there for, to, have some control in your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I love that. I think that that very much shows in a lot of the, the content and what you do. You're one of pretty much the only people on Facebook. Um, and, and I don't say this to like suck up or anything. I mean, this is just truth. Like you're pretty much one of the only people that I watch Facebook lives uh, for. And like, I don't watch all of them, Thank but you. like every now and then, like there's only like two or three people on there. And it does, it comes from the passion that like, I just, I get the sense of passion that you are really wanting to help people. And I feel like you can kind of just sense that in some people, you know what I mean? And like when it really comes through, I relate to that a lot. And um, cause that's something that I'm very passionate about as well. It's just like helping people. I'm a natural teacher. I love teaching because I love seeing people make progress in the right direction. And so when I see that in other people, it's, it's super, super awesome. So that's awesome. Um, a little bit more of a personal question slash, I don't know, like if you, if, if you don't want to answer it, I totally understand. I think you're pretty much an open book, but um, would you ever leave ClickFunnels? I can't imagine I would. Okay. I really I didn't can't. Think so, I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, it's funny because people ask all the time, are you guys going to sell ClickFunnels? I mean, I get asked these days, they get asked every single day. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think Russell's been real clear our whole focus is really creating a billion dollar story. Yeah. We've been, I mean, in my role at ClickFunnels, I have the opportunity of talking to all the growth equity, private equity, VCs, M&A firms who are always throwing money at us, always talking about that, all that kind of stuff. And they're always, I mean, those are the questions that come up. Um, to us, there's more to it than that. I, I can't imagine leaving. I, I don't know what, I, what else I would do. Yeah, yeah. So do you actually have ownership in ClickFunnels? Like, are you an actual part owner? Okay. So, so wow. That, I mean, and so you have a, a decision. I mean, you have a say then in when it gets sold or if it gets sold and that to a certain extent as well. So that's, that's super, super big. Um, from a ClickFunnels, like a family standpoint, because like, I know that you guys are a very close knit company and, and you know, your startup, you don't have any venture capitalists. Um, how much, cause you're at what, almost 300 or over 300 employees now? 350. And how many of those are in-house there in Boise? 
They have two offices here in Boise, the one I'm in right now, which is quote unquote our headquarters. Mm-hmm. And here, uh, I think we probably have 12, 12, 15 tops. Okay. We then have another office, our sales office down the road that has about the equivalent. Okay. And about, then about 30 in office. 30 in, and then the rest of them are just working virtually or are they in other offices around the country or how does that work? Todd has an office uh, in Canton, in Atlanta, and he's got uh, seven or eight employees there. But for the most part, everybody is, we're a very distributed team. Interesting. So the dynamic of people that are working there with you, are you guys very like close-knit, like a family? Like, do you guys all hang out outside of work um, and like hang out? Or is it pretty much like, yeah, you're close at work, but outside? I mean, I know you and Russell, but for the rest of the staff as a whole, what's the dynamic like there? Uh, for, you know, it's one of those things I, if I'm not at work, I'm with my family. Yeah. That's, I just, I'm such a family guy. It's, my son's got a football game tonight and that's where I'll be. Mm. It's just, that's what matters most to me. I love that. I've got four boys and a beautiful wife I adore. And that's, that's just my life outside of work. I know the the rest of the staff, I know they do other things together. I know they've got a softball team they play on and, and they're, de- they're definitely much closer out of the office than, than I am per se. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a real homebody. There's nothing, no other place I'd rather be than with my family. I love that. And that's super, super cool. And I think that's super important. I know Russell's the same way. I spend you know, so much time with his family. I don't know Todd as well, um, but uh, that's super cool. I gotta, I gotta pause here though. I wanna kind of move in the direction of family actually and kind of talking about that because I think that's important and a little bit different than maybe some of the questions you typically get asked here. But uh, recently I sent you a gift. I sent you a flamethrower and, um, I sent that over there cause I had, I figured that I would probably get in more trouble with it than you would. And that's saying something because I feel like you could get, in <laughs> I don't real know. Trouble. I know. I think there's some real trouble, but within like literal one day of having it, I had the police officers and fire department called on me. So it, I, I felt like I needed to get rid of it before I tried to like sneak it on a plane or, you know, take it across the world somewhere. But uh, as I was going through and I was moving, I thought I had thrown this out, but I'm, I'm going to send it to you, but I want to hold this up here in the camera and I'm going to explain what this is. So when I bought the flamethrower uh, from like the boring company, it came with an instruction manual, which I mean, I don't really know if we ever would read that, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. But there's this, uh, there's this piece of paper that I want to give you. It has this $5 <laughs> bill on it. And this is actually from the boring company. And it says, uh, dear, not so boring customer, the lawyers have spoken and due to shipping restrictions, we can't mail you your glorious propane fuel. So to make up for it, we've included some cold, hard cash for you to stroll down to your local store and stock up on some. And so there's literally, this is the original $5 bill that they sent me. So this is like part of the kit. So I'm going to send it out to you. And I, I found this as I was, I thought I'd lost it, but I found it as I was moving everything out. Oh, well, thank you. You're going to be getting that in the mail to complete your kit. And uh, I got to know, I know you melted the ice and you burned the book. Have you done any other cool things with it yet? Oh, of course. We've had a, a ton of fun. I've got four boys. So uh, my wife basically raised four boys and, and a toddler, me. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, absolutely. We've had a ton of fun. Uh, Dan Usher, uh, part of our video team was out here and he's from Canada. And he's oh, so okay. he and Blake were here and and we thought, you know what? They're in Idaho. We need to take these guys out shooting. So uh, we took them out and blew up a ton of Tannerite and all of this kind of stuff and had the flamethrower out there. And, That's awesome. And they were very, very excited. So we've got a whole bunch of pictures on top of my son's Jeep with the flamethrower in the air and having a lot of fun. Um, gosh, we've used it multiple times uh, here at the office. We've used it uh, recreationally at the house many times. So it gets used quite often, actually. 
That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad to hear it. You're getting better use out of it than I am here in Omaha. So uh, good to hear. Okay. Uh, I want to kind of shift and ask some questions about family and kind of about like your personal development growth to, to who you are at today. Because obviously, like you, you've shifted in, you're part owner of a company here, but you, I mean, you do run an operation, right? Like there's a whole team underneath you or whatnot. How has the transition of like your growth in life from entrepreneur, business owner, where when you're working for yourself, uh, income is you know kind of all over the place, right? Up, down, good months, bad months, etc. And now I, I imagine it's a little bit more stable for you, right? So, like, how has the transition from entrepreneur to the position that you're in now affected you in your personal life with raising kids and structure in life and your marriage and like things like that? Um, honestly. From that aspect, uh, raising kids and family, I, Josh, it just hasn't. I've, I'm the really? same. I, I look at, again, don't do the fact that I have ownership in ClickFunnels. I've, it's just another company I'm building, whether it was the other companies I've built in the past or this one. Um, I think the, the one difference has been some of the, I guess, my conversations with my boys, they, they've, they've grown up with me always doing my own thing and, and being an entrepreneur and, mm. and really going pretty hardcore down that direction. So they've definitely have seen um, a much larger company this time. Never, I've never built a, I mean, in the past, the largest company I was ever involved in was about 300 million, but a lot of that was, um, was mortgages and stuff where there weren't as many employees, there were higher ticket volumes and all that other kind of stuff. Um, this is different only because it's a, it's a much smaller ticket item, but due to the SaaS revenue, and the way in which it grows, it compounds. And uh, my reason saying that is my kids have seen a little bit of a different experience this time than in times past, as you mentioned, as far as the, a lot of the cyclical type of, of things that happen in most entrepreneurial ventures. You don't have that when you have a SaaS company. Um, my only reason in saying that is, uh, I, as I've talked to my kids, they're like, gosh, you know, Dad, I don't want to get a job. I don't want to get a job. And, and I'm like, there's nothing wrong with getting a job. Yeah. And I think that too often a lot of entrepreneurs feel like if I get a job, I'm giving up in my dream. And that is never, ever the case. I, I think the most important thing is I teach my kids all the time. I'm, all I care about is that you, you learn to love to learn. Once you get to that point where you love learning, then it's just a matter of how am I going to learn the most? Am I going to, do I need to learn sales? And if so, what organization is going to teach me the best? Who can I get a job with to learn sales and focus in on, on learning that skill set? Or, you know what, I really want to get great at photography or at graphics. And you can go do that yourself. But if there's someone else who's going to pay you to learn, why not at least play with that and explore mm. that? So I, I, I think the only difference I've had with my kids is making sure they don't feel like the only way they can do it is by trial and error and learning on their own dime. If you can learn on someone else's dime and get those skill set and still have the dream and still pursue the dream and realize there's nothing wrong with putting pause on on setting up your own company so you can go gather the skill set. Yeah. It's all, you know, Myron Golden teaches, you know, the speed of money. I look at the same thing as far as the speed of learning. How fast can you learn it? How fast can you gain those skills? The faster you gain those skills, the easier it is that you can implement them into your life to where you want to go next. I think that's super important. And I'm curious in the sense of, I mean, you obviously deal with a lot of affiliates and a lot of people in the internet marketing world. How how much of that do you think is true for a lot of these people that are starting to trying to start their own company? Because I feel like, you know, for me, 
I always, and I did a podcast episode on this recently where I said, I don't feel that relatable to a lot of people. And the reason I say that is because like, I'm willing to do stupid, crazy things, right? Like, I mean, I'm just way out there on stuff. And like, I always laugh when people like ask me what I do in my spare time or like what I do for fun. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like I'm in my office 24 hours a day. Like this is what I love to do. And so, you know, for me, like I'm willing to go every single penny in all in and I I fail. I'm like, all right, great. On to the next thing, like whatever. But I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got families. I don't have a whole lot of responsibilities right now. And I understand that. And so when we go into this world of internet marketing and starting a business, I feel like a lot of people make a mistake of maybe trying to go all in too early. And I think that there's a, a distinct difference between being very committed and like risking everything. You know what I mean? So like for what would your advice be for the person that's out there that wants to go all in or that wants to have that, but has the opportunity to go, you know, potentially get a job to learn and, and, and still stay financially afloat while they're learning that. How, like, how do you advise people to make a decision on whether or not they should go all in on their dream or learn more before they go all in? Man, I love that question. A um, couple of different things to it. One is I think too often a lot of entrepreneurs get this, this get slapped with this label as far as they're just, you know, they're just the most risk-taking type of people in the world. It's throw caution to the wind, just go out, hustle and grind, make things happen. I don't look at entrepreneurship that way at all. I think um, we take a ton of risks, but they're very, very calculated risks. Yeah. And I think that the problem for a lot of people is they think, oh, I'm just going to quit my job and just go start something and go, just go, you know what? And I'm like, wait, wait, just one second. Before you do that, think through this a little bit. Uh, I had the same thing when I was coaching people on real estate investing. They want to, gosh, I'm going to quit my job and just go all in. I'm like, understand if you're flipping houses, this is a three to four month process. You know, what are you gonna do for cash flow? How are you going to do that? And so anytime I was going to, at that point was talking to people and say, well, when do, when can I quit my job? And I'm like, I would never quit my job unless I knew I had at least three to six, ideally six months of my bare minimum number saved. Once you've got that, because the hardest part for an entrepreneur, it's you make dumb decisions when you don't have resources. And yes, I am mm. totally all about being resourceful. But unfortunately, a lot of people, they make dumb decisions when they feel like their back is up against the wall because they, they haven't thought through things enough. I mean, we are a very, I mean, from the very beginning, we've always been ready firing. I mean, that's just kind of been our motto for it's how we've lived our life. But understand there's, there's things that take place during that ready phase. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just fire. There is a ready phase. Right. It's not fire, aim ready. So I think too often people mistake this whole idea of being the entrepreneur and being your own boss and just going for it and, and just throwing caution to the wind and saying it doesn't matter. Um, you're again, Josh, as you may mention, you're in a different situation. You don't have family and everything right. else. And so because of that, you, you can take a few more risks, but at the same time, they're not stupid risks. Right. I mean, take for example, you're going, if you're going on a world tour, yeah. you didn't just quit your job. You actually did something first. You right. sold your company. Yeah. And then you're t taking those resources. So I think people just need to think. I love your podcast. It says the think different theory. You mm -hmm. got to think. Yeah, you do have to think. I, I think that's. I think people just need to learn how to, like you said, analyze their risk and and really, like you said, that it's calculated, right? A and use logic with that. Um, 
man, I, I, I want to, I, I still have questions about the, the family, like actually more of like your personal development mindset side of things, but we, and we're going to get back to that. But I think this is a perfect segue into, um, a little bit more of a controversial question that I have for you and, and, and revolves around Russell and click funnels and, and some of the messaging that you guys use. And, um, so one of the things that I am you know, really big on is I love branding and I love personal brands and uh, audience building, right? I've grown and managed 5 million followers on social and, and growing. Uh, it's probably more like five and a half now. Um, and I understand pretty well, I mean, far above the average person, what it takes to grow an audience with you know, polarizing statements and new opportunity and you know, where we're going and you know, things like that. Um, and so when I look at companies that grow quickly or, or audience that grow quickly, like ClickFunnels has, I like to look at kind of like the underlying theme of what it is that they're saying. And with ClickFunnels, I, I watch and I see how carefully you guys go about saying the things that you say. You, you, know, you are very you know, legal with everything and you make sure not to make unnecessary claims. However, it can be misinterpreted by a lot of people at times that ClickFunnels is selling the dream. And I, I feel like I would um, be doing my audience a disservice to not bring this up because it is a, a question. I understand what you guys are doing and I understand that you guys are not selling the dream and that you're very careful not to claim that. And I educate people a lot on that. And I'm like, guys, ClickFunnels makes it very clear that they are a software that provides the tools so that you can go out and do these things. They don't, you know, claim results. They're not, you know, guaranteeing you anything. But I also know that, you know, for you, you're a, you're religious, right? You're Mormon and, and very much so. And I'm Christian and there's a lot of similarities there. And I have a massive amount of respect for, you know, you and, and Russell and the whole team, you know, there and, and sticking up to your values. Has the... I'm trying to figure out how to word this best best because it's a genuine question. Um, Just ask it, Josh. Yeah, well, well I, I, and I don't know really not like how the, the the balance of like, hey, you know, sometimes that people are going to misinterpret and skew the language that Russell's like. Russell's really good at making things sound super super easy, right? He is, and I'll even watch it sometimes, and I'm like. God, I just can't believe he makes it sound so easy. He's so good at it. And it's awesome. But at the same time, I'm like, to a beginner, to someone that's just starting out that doesn't understand the whole context, do you ever have a moral or ethical dilemma around making it sound too easy or that it could be misinterpreted that just anybody can do this? A moral or ethical dilemma. Um, so the answer on that for me is there, there's two phases. One is you're kind of referring to the whole entrepreneur thing. It's right. And there was a there was a time in my past where the idea as far as a business in a box was it I mean, I went to a ton of seminars and it was just that. It was buy a business in a box. And it was, you know, roses and fairies and dancing and life is super easy and simple. Yeah. Um, I I know we definitely people ask about that all the time, saying, gosh, it's not that easy. And I'm the first to admit it, it you're right, it's not that easy. We've really tried to be pretty open about that as well to help people understand. We talked about it being one funnel way. We have a one funnel way challenge. Mm -hmm. Understand there are literally, for us, there have been hundreds, literally hundreds of funnels before we got to ClickFunnels. And a lot of them didn't work. And I think that the key for, I don't have a moral and an ethical dilemma at all with this kind of stuff because to me, this is all about, it's a learning process. Now, again, I would never, ever encourage anyone if 
if it's your last hundred bucks, you don't spend it. I mean, don't, don't do that kind of stuff. But realize if you're trying to get someplace, you've got, I remember talking to Alex Hermosi about this, and that is your business is either growing or you're growing. There's a problem. One of the two of those is always the issue. If your business is going great, then the only way your business is going to keep growing is you then have to grow. Mm-hmm. Once you start growing, your business will then start to catch up. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem for a lot of people is, is they're looking, unfortunately, a lot of people are looking for that brass ring for that easy button that they can just hit and say, and sit back. You know, I was talking with the gentleman just earlier today and his whole thing, he's got the software he wants to sell us that's going to make, you know, Amazon uh, drop shipping just one click and done. I'm like, life isn't that simple. Mm-hmm. And we try to help people understand that. Yes, we are a marketing company. Right. But we are a marketing company that happens to have a software. Um, but realize in doing that, I never would ever want anyone to come across thinking that we don't care at all about them. And it's just about the dollar. That's at this point in the game, it's never that case. I'm just, I understand where you're coming from. So Josh, I'm more happy to go as deep on this as you want to go. And, and I would like to go a little bit deeper on it just because I know, like, I am a die hard funnel hacker. Like I live and breathe click funnels. I, I don't think like I don't think you could ever pull me away from using the ClickFunnels platform, right? Like I love it. And so for me, as someone that, you know, I, I stick up for ClickFunnels quite a bit. And so I go and I say, hey, when when someone comes and you know, the joke is passed around. I'm sure you've seen it all over there. Oh yeah, you're just one funnel away, like Russell says, one funnel away from bankruptcy too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like this running joke of it. And like the the instinct, the, the defensive competition person to me comes in and be like, you you got, you know what I mean? I just want to fight them all and be like, ClickFunnels literally changed my life. You know what I mean? Like Russell literally made me my first $100,000. Like absolutely fundamentally changed my life. But I also understand when like I read the ads and I get ClickFunnels ads all the time, just like everybody else does. Like it's as easy as one, two, three. That's in the copy, right? Like these types of things. And I know that you personally are not responsible for that. And I'm not singling out you here. I'm talking about as a general rule, do you ever feel as though, because, and, and I guess where this is coming from, Dave, is I personally have faced many different ethical dilemmas in, I don't even call them ethical dilemmas, but like processes that I've had to process in my brain because I'm like, whoa, yes, it's possible. But the average person is nowhere near willing to put in what it takes to have, you know, zero to a million dollars in, in one year, right? When Russell gets up on stage at Funnel Hacking Live and it's like from, you know, from seat to stage in one year, you know, two comma club in one year from now, we're going to help you get there. Like most people are not, I don't, I don't want to say not capable, but like just don't understand and are not willing to put in what it takes to have the ultimate success that is there. So when you're at an event like Funnel Hacking Live, which I love and support and, and, and want to be able to defend, do you ever feel like, ClickFunnels as a whole maybe makes it sound a little bit too good. I don't want to say good to be true, but like, you know what I mean? Like a little bit easier than it is to accomplish such a great feat. And I'm not saying it's not possible, but you know what I mean? Like Russell sells it really hard and I'm not trying to in any way trying to be like, gotcha, right? I'm trying to understand and be like, hey, I've had to work through things when I've like made a promise about something. Yes, I can. You absolutely can get your Facebook group to 5,000 members in two months. And I've, you know, I've said that. And then like my students will go through and like one of them will do it, but eight of them won't. And I'm like, I know it's possible, but I face this ethical dilemma. I'm like, can I say that when I know it's possible, but I also know that eight out of 10 are not going to achieve that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think the, the issue, so let's take the example as far as Funnel Hacking Live, as you made mention there, from, from seat to stage in a year. Yeah. Okay. Is that possible? Yes, it's been done by 
I know of, of two specific women who've done it. Yeah. Um, but more important than that is that's not, I would never want someone to think that there's two things that happen here. One is I never want to think that anytime a person sets that as the goal and they don't hit it, they feel like, gosh, what was wrong with me? Mm. And that's never the case. I, I mean, I look at, you know, sometimes people say, gosh, Dave, you're like, you're an overnight success. We didn't hear about anything for you. And then all of a sudden in the last three or four years, you just came out of nowhere. And I'm like, I'm a 20 year overnight success. And I, I think that as I take a look at, at business and life, too often people are looking for the one thing that's what, it, you know, gosh, Josh, what's that one thing? I, if I just do this one thing, I'll get to 5,000 people in two months. It's not one thing. It's the stacking. It's the whole 1% rule where, you know, 1% per day doesn't equal 365 at the end of the year. It's like 34X times that because they stack on top of each other. And I think the, the real issue is, are you, as you're going through that process, are you learning and are you growing and are you developing? There's, there's no such thing as an overnight success. And even from stage, from seat to stage, you don't know all the stuff it took to get to that seat. Mm. And so I, you asked as far as do I have a moral, I, first of all, I, I hope as a company, we don't ever come across as everybody's going to get there from, from seat to stage. We set the two comma club X coaching mm. program up as a three to five year coaching program to get to a million dollars. It was never, you're going to pay us for a year and you'll get a million dollars. That was never, ever the, that wasn't the pitch. That wasn't the idea. Ideally, it was a three to five year program. And if they continue doing it, and again, you're probably familiar in your own business, in my own life, I've seen the three, seven, one effect takes, I see it all the time. That is you first get to 30,000, then you get to 70,000, then you get to 100,000 and you get to 300,000 and you get to 700,000 and to a million and 3 million, 7 million, 10 million, 30 million, 70 million, 100 million. But there's different things you learn at each phase. And if you take a look at Alex Sharfin's his billionaire code, that's the same process. And you grow and you, and you level up. And when you get to that next level, you're like, okay, what do I need to learn now? So hmm. answer your question real simple. Do I have an issue with it being a moral and ethical dilemma? I don't because I don't feel like we actually preach that. I'm sure it definitely, hmm. people may come across hoping that, but that's not the case. Okay, hey, last question on this, and I appreciate you taking the time to answer it. If someone were to come up to you and say, Dave, I feel like ClickFunnels makes it sound too easy. And Russell's pitch of one funnel away just isn't true. He needs to bring more context around that. What would your response be to that question or that statement? I'm, I'm more than happy to give as much context as people want. The mm -hmm. problem is most people don't want to take the time to listen to the context. Mm. I think that's super so true. I, I will go all day long as long as a person, again, we can spend an hour on just this one topic yeah, because right. I feel like it's, it's literally, it's not just click funnels. This is a business principle we're talking about here. Mm. It's, you have to learn, you have to grow, you have to develop. It's a trial and error type of thing. Mm. There's no easy button. If you're looking for an easy button, don't, if that's, if you thought click funnels was an easy button, then don't buy click funnels. Mm. Well, there it is right from your mouth. I love it. Thank you for taking the time to, to kind of go through that. And like I said, I wasn't trying to do like any gotcha or anything like that. It was just yeah. trying to work through that uh, there. Okay, I want to, and I think this is a perfect segue into kind of the personal development side of things. One of the things that I'm all about with Think Different Theory and that I've had to do a tremendous amount of in my own life the last, well, gosh, I thought it was going to be the last year. And then my brother passed away. It's another eight months and this world trip, even more of it is you know, mindset and really developing as a person. And Steve Larson has said many times, and I agree with him, and I'm sure many other people have said it as well, like 
entrepreneurship is the greatest personal development, uh, you know, Absolutely. training that you never signed up for, right? So, what would you say have been some of the biggest uh, or, or most important personal development, specifically when it comes to mindset, uh, like mindset shifts that you've had to go through along your journey to get you to where you're at today? I was had this conversation with my son last night. Mm. Um, I think the one of the largest ones for me was little backstory here. I I went to to school basically to to go to medical school. Accepted to medical school, supposed to go to Wake Forest, Bowman Gray. And literally the week before, I chose not to go. I finished, I got a master's in exercise physiology. I, after that, still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and get a master's in physical therapy and then dropped out of physical therapy school. And then I was sitting there and I felt, gosh, I'm always going to be a failure because I associated, I will be successful when I reach this dollar amount, whatever that dollar amount was. And I very soon started to associate my self-worth as a husband and as a man as how much money I made. Oh, wow. Okay. And I just, I got caught up in that. And it's really tough when you're an entrepreneur, because as you made, mentioned earlier, you have high months and low months. So all of a sudden my self-esteem is rocking when I'm crushing it. And then I'm just totally depressed when I wasn't. And it wasn't until I went through and basically lost everything that I realized I'm okay. And I'm not my money. And my money is, all money is, is just a tool it basically makes good people better and bad people worse. It just magnifies whatever your personality is. And so that for me was probably one of the most important personal development type of things I had to come to grips with. Hmm. It's interesting you say that because I would say that I went through a very, very similar experience um, with, with that, with the highs and the lows. I mean, for sure, feeling great and then you know lows. But when I hit my rock bottom low moment, I think that was the turning point for me when I was able to go and start taking my identity out of money. And it's interesting how when you do have some success and then you hit rock bottom again, how that can do that to you. Oh, and yeah. some of the things that you have to go through, like sometimes it just takes hitting rock bottom or it takes a traumatic experience in one direction in order to like learn the lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to lighten up the mood a little bit here. We're coming up in the kind of towards the end of this. And uh, I want to ask you some more like fun, fun, lighthearted questions kind of about you starting particularly with your wardrobe. Um, dude, you <laughs> rock it, man. Like I'm telling you what, every time I see you out at events at the, what was it? The phone-a-thon actually, let me ask you this. The, the phone-a-thon that you did for funnel hacking live, was it worth it? Did it work? Um, as far as selling tickets, as many tickets as we want, no. 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 As far as building culture, absolutely. So will it be happening again? Probably not. Probably not? All right. I saw you show up. It was the money suit that day. Where did you get that? <laughs> it, Online, fortunately. Google is an amazing tool. So do you have like a place where you shop, like a favorite one or two stores where you get all of your clothes? Because you just rock it with the, the design of your, your clothing. You know, honestly, I don't buy my clothes. Um, my wife has always dressed me. Oh, so, so she's the mastermind behind how you always look so good. Yep. Aside from the money suit, uh, those things she would never take credit for. Yeah, but, well, I, I can imagine that. But anything else, uh, she's... When I met her, I was in t-shirts and shorts every single day. And so, uh, it, and I, for the most part, I still am. But um, well, And it's funny if, to say that. Because if, I, I, if right. I've got to be in public... Uh, she'll make sure that I'm dressed differently. 
Well, that, and that's a good thing. When, and it's funny you say that. So when I started dating my girlfriend, um, and I, you've known who I am for a little bit. I mean, I've been around the ClickFunnels or whatever, and I'm sure you've seen old pictures of everything. Like, I was a wreck, man. I was <laughs> mismatched everything all the time, and I did not care, like, at all. And I remember shortly after we started dating, um, she came over and she's like, <clears throat> all right, we're going to go shopping and we're going to do a, a wardrobe makeover. <laughs> and I don't know, I probably spent like eight or 900 bucks just redoing everything. And so now I actually have like color themes and like <laughs> everything matches. And like I have shoes to match the different outfits. And for me, like I could wear the same exact t-shirt with the same exact pair of shorts every single day for the rest of my life and be totally happy. Um, but uh, she came in and, and definitely changed that for me. So it's funny you say that because... Uh, anytime I go on a trip, first thing I make sure she, she picks out my wardrobe and what I'm going to wear. All right. Well, look at that. Okay. Um, I have some uh, questions from some of the listeners or yeah, from some of the listeners and some, for some of the people on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, first question is from Miles. <clears throat> Who is your favorite ClickFunnels employee? <laughs> now, the problem is if I actually answer this, I get in a ton of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, I probably am not going to answer that directly, but for Miles' benefit, I'll give him the credit. Well, okay. So Miles, you get in a fake shout out from Dave <laughs> as the favorite one. What is he? he? He's not the affiliate affiliate manager anymore. He's the special project manager, right? He's, he's still, still he actually, he's our event manager. He manages all of our live events. All the live events. Oh, he, oh my gosh, that's gotta be stressful. Yeah. Oh man, I'm glad that that's not me. Okay. Um, what is an annoying question that you get asked over and over and over again that you just wish you would stop being asked? Um, I actually don't. That's sad as that is to say, I, I know how hard it is to ask someone a question and to go out of their way. So I, I really don't have an annoying question. Mm, all right. So not, not, uh, when's ClickFunnels going to be sold? Has I don't idea. classify that as an but, annoying question. I know yeah. it's a question that's out that people want to know. All right. All right. Answer is once we sell once we make over a billion dollars, then we'll start looking at it. All right. Then we'll start looking at it. All right. Sounds good. Um, and is that a billion dollars in one year or a billion dollar valuation? I don't know yet. We'll figure that one out as it comes. We'll figure it out as it comes. All right. Um, what is one thing that you feel like you've repeated a million times to affiliates that you really <laughs> wish would help, we wish that they knew and remembered that would really, really help them and make your job easier? Honestly, I think the main thing I wish they understood is affiliate marketing is to build your own list more than it is to sell ClickFunnels. So use a bridge page, create your own list, build your own market, and use ClickFunnels on the back end. Interesting. Okay. So what would be your number one piece of advice for affiliates of ClickFunnels be? I would say pick a vertical, pick a niche that you want to go after mm. and become the person for that. If you want to target podcasters, if you want to target chiropractors, if you want to target uh, stay-at-home moms, if you want to target uh, people who are looking to retire, if you want to target... I would find a niche and a vertical that you feel like you can own and provide a ton of value to and something you're going to, you got to enjoy your avatar. If you don't enjoy your avatar, man, get out of it. No, that's, that's really good advice. Okay. A couple more uh, questions here from uh, listeners or from people that wrote in. Um, this one, I don't actually know if you're going to want to answer, but I'll leave it up to you. What's the most annoying thing about working with Russell? <laughs> most annoying thing. Gosh, that is really hard for me to say. Um, only cause I've, I've known him for so long. Um, and you know, it's not about him. I think the hardest part people don't understand about Russell is 
he's a huge introvert and all he cares to do is to help people. And I think, um, I think he gets taken advantage of because of that. Hmm. Hmm. I can see that. He has that. a really hard time saying no. And I think, uh, that's probably why I'm in, I'm much more of a gatekeeper for him is he just hates to say no. And mm. so I, I say no easier than he does. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I can see that for sure. I've heard some ruthless stories about you, about you just getting <laughs> stuff done. And I, I love it. Speaking of that, I got to ask you, what would you say has been like the craziest experience or, or story that you have while working with ClickFunnels that you got to do? Oh my gosh. Or one really good one. <laughs> So we, it's like every month seems to be that way. <laughs> There's always something crazy going on. Um, I, I would say, I think probably a lot of people around here, first time I really met you would have been at the bubble soccer event. Mm. That was a pretty crazy one only because we had such a short period of time. Um, the 10 X event, uh, years that we've done that, those have all been crazy, crazy events. Any live, I guess any live event just creates, <laughs> I mean, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, I mean, there's, we've had people, you know, run up on stage and, and do crazy stuff there and have, you know, Jericho clothes. I had to come out and take some, escort someone off a of stage. We've, I mean, mm. I can go on and on about it. We've had just a ton of crazy stuff happen. Mm. So I, I think the part I enjoy the most is I just love what we do and, and just yeah. whatever it takes to, to get the message out within moral and ethical reasons I'm all about. I love it. I love it. Um, selfish question that I have for you actually regarding the, the 10 X, uh, the, the latest 10 X one, obviously you guys released the, uh, the documentary about Russell and, and failing if you want to call it that, or him, you know, embarrassing it, whatever on stage, which I don't really think was his fault, but I, I loved the documentary. Um, what, what was the, what was the atmosphere or the process like to get back into the swing of things after that event was over? Like you get back to the office, the event is done and you kind of sit down and you go, now what? Like, what does that look like? And how do you guys get your heads back on straight to go? Nope, we're just going to keep cruising right along because obviously like you've got the company running. So the company's running regardless, but like your own head now as leaders and as you know, leading an organization, what was the process that you guys went through to get back into the swing of things? Love that question, Josh. I can tell you, uh, I, I think this actually comes from athletics more than anything else. It's same type of thing as far as I know you're a huge Patriots fan. It's huge. We're going to win the Super Bowl and go undefeated this year. <laughs> okay. So you have a quarterback <laughs> who basically, if he throws an interception, the most important thing that Tom Brady could do is forget about it and get back in the very next play and try to throw, the, throw another pass. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that's the most important thing. Any leader or entrepreneur or anyone else, you need to be able to have short-term memory on those kind of things. Hmm. It's very, very easy. And only because I've gone through it myself where when things don't go well, you literally can lose a month's worth of time. Hmm. And if you do, you not only have been paid a month's worth of, of penalty, but then you've deprived your audience and the people you serve with a month's worth of creativity and things that you could have done. Hmm. So for us... As soon as that happened, the very first thing I did was basically got on, I've got the most amazing assistant in the world, just love her to death. Chrissy just is fantastic. And I remember saying, listen, Chrissy, things aren't going well. We need to make sure that our staff doesn't feel like this was their fault. They put their heart and soul into it. They mm. were out selling stuff. They were doing everything possible. I said, please do whatever you can. I want to make sure we have a party for them. 
And so she was jumped right to it, got on the phone. We chartered a, a boat and took the whole staff out on a, on a boat cruise through the harbor, had dinner and everything else, danced on the thing and just had a good time. And I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure they felt rewarded. They'd done everything they possibly could. It wasn't their yeah. fault. And I think, especially when you have staff that care so much about you and your business as, as we do, yeah, I never want them to feel like it was ever, they did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was, how do you change, how do you change your staff's mind? How do you get them? And I mean, they're family. And they're going to feel the pain and everything else. And so for us, it was what's done is done. You can't change it. If I live in the past, I'm just going to wallow in self-pity. So we literally just said, let's go have a party. I love it. And so we took them out, had a great time. And and we just, very next day, just got right on it. I love that. I love it. Okay. um, I have one more question for you before we go to rapid fire questions. We just kind of wrap up each interview with some rapid fire questions uh, at the end of it. I do have one more question for you. That's uh, is a little bit selfish. um, But uh, in regards to um, actually coaching and like learning and leadership skills, um, you are someone that clearly has a lot of experience just in your life and because of your age and your experience in leadership. But I know that that was a growing there's a cycle, right? I mean, like you, you've grown a lot in that. Um, one of the things that I have really been focusing on recently in the past six to eight months specifically, um, is being in this mode of always being coachable. And, uh, I look at, and one of the things you mentioned, Tom Brady and, and the Patriots, like Tom Brady, you know, without a doubt, the greatest quarterback of all time, you watch interviews of him and everybody says he's the most coachable player, the most coachable player. Right. And so for me, I was like, wow, that, that speaks a lot. So for me, like I want to be a leader and uh, I held a team or a team meeting. I have, I sold my company. I only have two people working for me now. And I just called them in and I said, all right, guys, let's sit down. I said, I don't know what it means to be a leader fully yet. I said, I don't really know this whole leadership thing and how it works, but I'm going to paint the vision for you and say that I'm trying and we're going to figure this out. And so, um, for someone like me that wants to continue to be coachable, I sometimes have a hard time figuring out who to listen to um, outside of just like, you know, paying for a coach, right? Like, yes, I have a coach. I pay them. Great. That's good. But I'm talking about in general, as I'm looking for people to follow and model after and learn leadership skills from particularly, right? Um, what advice would you have for me that maybe you've gone through in your life or that you've experienced that has helped you become the leader that you are today? Man, I'm probably your best question only because it's what I'm focused on right now. Mm. Uh, huge believer in the fact, you know, what got you here won't get you there. And sometimes that's team members, but most of the time it's you personally. You're not gonna be able to get to, I, again, we're gonna cross through 100, 150 million or so this year. And I'm looking as far as, what type of a leader do I need to do to become to get to 250 or 300 for next year? And so I've been studying leadership a ton recently. Um, a year ago, we did a CEO swap with Brandon Poulin. And I remember talking to him about it. And he's, he'd been in the same situation. I just studying leadership and everything else. He goes, you know what, Dave? Leaders lead. That's the bottom line. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, just, no, I'm serious. Leaders just lead. And it's one of those things that I've, I've, I've seen happen for a lot of people. Most people want to follow somebody. And uh, I was, so Todd and I were down at this last week, we were down in Alabama at Silicon Y'all. And Silicon Y'all is a bunch of, of SaaS founders with investors and everything else talking about how do you scale companies? How do you lead companies? And it was interesting that a couple of the, they had a panel of, of investors who spent a, at that time, the three of them combined had spent over a billion dollars in the last two years buying companies. And the question came up as far as what do you look for in a leader? What's the number one characteristic you're wanting for a CEO. 
And it's interesting because what they said is what you just made mention is because the thing I want more than anything is I need some, I need a CEO who's coachable Hmm. and one who loves to learn and who reads. Those are three things they wanted. He says, everything else we can deal with. But Hmm. if I, if we don't have those three things, if they're not coachable, if they're, if they're not out there always learning and if they don't read, he says, we just can't, we can't work with that. And so I was thinking a lot about some of the stuff I've been going through and, and I, I don't read as much as I listen to a lot of audiobooks and things. Yeah, same. But for me, it's a matter of, it's not just the listening, it's the application. The, and so I'm trying all the time. I'm, I, I, count, I coach uh, my assistant. I basically talk. She sees the way I deal with a lot of different people. And she, I'm like, you know, Dave, you didn't handle them that, very, that, very, that well at all. And so for me, I need that kind of feedback. And I think the hard part is, as you grow in a culture, as you grow in a company, um, people start to get afraid of talking to you because it's their mm-hmm. job and they don't want to say things. And, and you need that input. You need that feedback. And if you don't get that feedback, you can't improve. And so for me, I have, I've gone out, uh, there's uh, a great book, The Road Less Stupid, Keith Cunningham. Uh, his whole thing is advice from the chairman of the board. And I actually went to his course down in Austin. And it was a fascinating program to kind of go through because here's a guy, he actually is the when Robert Kiyosaki talks about the rich dad, Keith Cunningham's the rich dad that he actually learned from. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. And so it's, he talks about, he sold a ton of businesses. He, his whole thing is he invests in small and middle-sized businesses. So, he, and he, his whole thing is he's trying to grow and groom leaders. I think that's the, one of the main skills I look at from a leadership standpoint is I remember early in my career, one of the guys I was talking said, you know what, you'll never get a career advancement until you can find your replacement. You need to train your you have to train your replacement. Hmm. And so I think if you take a look at great leaders, and I, again, whether you like Jack Welch or not and his philosophies or Steve Jobs, they've led amazing companies. Yeah. And so for me, I've studied both of them. And again, take the personality aspects out of it. From a leadership standpoint, they were great at grooming other leaders. Hmm. And I think that's the main thing I look at is how, again, we're at 300 employees. You know, some of these, one of the companies there is a company called Shipped. They've grown you know, 100,000 shoppers they have out there. You can't lead that kind of an organization unless you start training others on how to lead. And I think too often a lot of leaders are afraid that if they give authority or ownership, entrepreneurs, we're the same way. If I give someone that kind of authority, I don't know if I can trust them. What are they going to do? They might take this. They might might steal my con. They may. But that's not your response. Your responsibility is to train them, to give them responsibilities, to provide them to to grow. And, And so for me, I think the main thing I'm looking at right now is what can I do to help the people within our company grow as leaders so they can mm. then organize and, and, and by train, it's like anything else. You love teaching. You mentioned that earlier in your podcast. Yeah. And so I think the greatest leaders, they teach, they're, co- they're coaching people all the time. I think that's the best way of learning is you take what you've learned, you assimilate it, and then you take that and you apply it and help others grow as well. I love that. I love that. Dave, thank you so much for that. That was, that was very, very good. Okay. Uh, I want to move on to rapid fire questions, which is just a series of uh, some rapid fire questions, quick answers. And then uh, we wrap up the podcast with uh, one question that we ask every person that we interview. Um, but before I do that, I want to give you the chance. Where can people find out more about you, consume more of your content to listen? I know you are with ClickFunnels, but outside of ClickFunnels.com, which everybody yeah. should have it, where would they go to do that? ClickFunnels radio podcast. Uh, we typically on there, I have an episode where I interview one person a week and I typically have one where I'm just giving my own thoughts and things that have happened. So that's one. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. 
Awesome. All right. Well, we will link those all down below. Guys, go check it out. As you can see, Dave is awesome and you can learn tons from him. And he's the, well, the official title we determined was the chief revenue officer, uh, the chief <laughs> revenue do everything officer of a $150 million company. So uh, we can do that. Okay. Let's go to rapid fire questions here real quick. Um, number one, how can I best serve you? Gosh, rapid fire. Holy smokes. Um, <laughs> I think the main thing is build your audience. Mm-hmm. Are you building your audience? They're going to want to know how you're doing it and you're going to refer to places you've learned and hopefully you've learned stuff from us. Oh, I've learned a lot from you guys. And I, I will, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put this out into the universe, call my shot here. When I get back from this world trip, the audience is going to be big enough. The podcast is going to be big enough and I'm going to dream 100 Russell to get on the podcast so we can promote his new book. I am putting that out there. I am not asking you. I love it. I'm not asking you. I'm just simply saying that that's going to happen. Um, and that, that is a goal of ours is to get him on for the, for the book launch because I do want to be a top affiliate for Traffic Secrets. Um, we would love that. that. So, and, and at, we're, we're already putting in systems, what, five months ahead of time. We just met with my team today and I was like, this is a goal. We need to focus on this. So we're coming. Um, okay. Um, Favorite Dream 100 gift you've ever gotten outside of my flamethrower because of course that wins. Well, of course the flamethrower <laughs> Um Gosh, I've gotten, geez, I've received so many. I'm, I, can I give two? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, one I have to say is definitely from John Rulin. Um, so John Rulin is from Giftology. He actually just sent me another thing today. Uh, but uh, what John basically sent was uh, a huge cut. It's like a $3,500 cut cone knife set. It wasn't the knife set that mattered so much is on the side of every one of the blades was an inscription of something he'd learned from either a podcast or a Facebook live. Oh, that is so cool. And so the, again, I, I was so touched just because of the amount of time and effort he put into, I mean, there's, I think 36 blades in this thing and it's just, wow. I mean, everyone is, is sketched with, and he's, and he basically sent a message to my wife, which again, little tip here, you're doing dream 100 always think of the significant other or their team. Uh, gosh, I've had we have another great dream 100 thing. I'm going to, sorry, you just cut me off. Yeah, yeah. My rat fires over. Let's, yeah, let's go. Um, another great one we had, uh, Joe McCall actually sent uh, massages to everyone in our team here in the office. Uh, wow. Massage coupons. And I thought that meant a lot because it wasn't for Russell or for myself or it was for our staff. And he knew how much, how hard they had worked, especially during the event we just put together. And so that was super thoughtful. Um, Christopher Voss uh, basically had, I actually have it on my desk here. And he basically sent this little plaque and it was cool just because it was, it came from Facebook live and it was about is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire. And mm. he basically spent the time and put the thought and effort into it to where it wasn't about, he has nothing to promote for me or anything else. It was just, a, it was a neat message of basically saying, Hey, I appreciate your content. And then I actually met him at Funnel Hacking Live and I was super excited to meet him and talk to him just because of that. So those would be the three I'd say. That's super cool. And yeah, Christopher Voss actually did one for me as well. Uh, one of my first episodes on the podcast was uh, Candy Crush Level 1000. And uh, he literally made me a shirt that said Candy Crush Level 1000 with my own Think Different Theory on it and my name. That was super, super cool. So shout out Christopher Voss. He's awesome. Um, and, and I just really, really quickly want to touch on that as well. Guys, when you're dream 100ing people, I really do believe that the intention that you have going in with it is so, so super important. <laughs> like, and and I, I, I really truly mean that like, 
when I saw Russell at Offermind, I walked up to him and I asked him a question. And I was like, Hey, Russell, I'm not saying that I'm going to dream 100 you, but if I were going to, what? And before I could even finish, she goes, Oh boy, I'm going to be pitched something. And I'm like, Whoa, no, what do you, and it was just like everybody, and it just showed me like everybody pitches this dude, right? All the time. Like Russell Brunson is 100% on my dream 100 list, right? So are you. So are, you know, there's Steve and many other people. But like, I have, absolutely no intention whatsoever to ask anything of Russell except for to come on my podcast, right? And to promote his stuff. But like, you know, like you and this, like when you go in to a Dream 100 with the intention of just being their friend, just doing something nice, it is amazing to me the relationships that can come out of that and the opportunities that you have. I've never asked for anything from Steven, but the amount of relationships and things that have come just from that relationship has been super cool. So side note on the Dream 100, I think that's very important. Okay, uh, actual rapid fire questions now, maybe a little bit faster. Um, you fly a lot. What's your favorite airline to fly? Oh my gosh. Um, out of Boise, it's Delta. Delta. Is there a different one outside of Delta that you prefer? Um, actually, when I was in LA, I loved Virgin. Virgin, okay. Um, I know you have a Tesla, so maybe you already own your dream car, but what's your dream car? Oh my gosh. Josh, that's not a fair question. I, everything in my life is for sale except for my wife and my kids. Mm -hmm. And so I used to trade cars. And so I've gone through every Porsche, Mercedes, uh, high-end car. And so for me, it's, I love variety. Mm. Uh, so right now it's a Tesla. I enjoy that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I don't know what will be next. I last about eight months, nine months, 10 months, maybe a year. And it's time for something new. And then it's time for something new. I like that. Uh, one bucket list item thing that you want to do in your life before you die. Uh, I would love huge bucket list. I want to go to the moon or at least intergalactic. Ooh, that would be super fun. Really do. I want to be, I want to get out of the atmosphere. If you ever do that, you better vlog the whole thing because I will watch I it will and promote for sure. it for you. All right. I, I, I will, I'll bring attention to that. And maybe who knows, maybe by the time we can do that, maybe I'll be ready. We can do it together. That's right. All right. Maybe so. Um, okay. Last question that I have for you. We asked this question to everybody on the podcast and I want to be respectful of your time. We're already over. I apologize. Um, but we asked this question to everybody. Fast forward to the end of your life and you're on your deathbed and everything that you've done in life, all of your accomplishments, fame, everything is gone. You're nobody. However, every single person that you have touched and influenced in your life, either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message or word of wisdom. What is that message? I would say believe. Just believe. Just believe. Believe in your dreams. Believe in yourself. Believe in, believe in your faith and your hope. Uh, I think too often people are willing to give up on their dreams and because they just don't believe in them. And I think if you, if you believe wholeheartedly, actions follow. Mm. And I think too often people, they don't really believe. They talk about it, but they don't believe in themselves. Yeah. And you believe you could sell your company. You believe you could actually sell your company and travel the world. And because you believed it, you took the actions to make it happen. Mm. I feel the same way as far as person's religious beliefs. If you believe them, then act on them. But yeah. if you truly, truly believe, actions follow true belief. Yeah, I like that. Actions do follow true belief. Dave, thank you so much for your time. I know it is very, very valuable and I know we're a little bit over. Um, I, I really, really appreciate this. This was absolutely phenomenal. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure, but always fun seeing you. Take care. Absolutely. Guys, this has been Dave Woodward. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I love you all and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. 
Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.